What if I told you that the enemy's greatest scheme isn't in attacking you with bad things, but rather keeping the truth about who you are away from you? If you want to learn five things the enemy is desperately trying to keep you from knowing about who you truly are, then keep listening. You're listening to The Royally Made, a different kind of podcast helping you grow in power, purpose, and grace. Let's see what it really means to be a royal daughter. In her book, Girls with Swords, Lisa Bevere said this, Satan has made it his aim to distract you from who you really are and what the purpose of your life really is. It is his focused objective to lure you out of the path of strength, life, and authority and into a course of intentional destruction. This right here just sums up everything that the enemy is trying to do in our lives. Too often we think that he's trying to come against us with all these bad things, and while Some of those things may be true. His biggest weapon against you is to distract you from understanding who you really are. Because when you understand who you are, there is nothing the enemy can do to distract you or to overcome you or to overpower you in this life. Too often we exclude ourselves from the promises of God and then we wonder why we don't feel very powerful. It's because everything that we were created to be and everything we truly are, we say, no, that can't be me because of this, this, and this. That is the attack of the enemy. And so what I want to do is go through five different things that the enemy doesn't want you to know about who you are so that you can have a solid and firm foundation to stand on when he tries to distract you. So without further ado, the first thing the enemy doesn't want you to know about who you are is you were created on purpose. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 in the Passion Translation says, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelous and breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. See, I don't know what your situation may be, whether you were an accident to your parents or maybe you were born in not the greatest set of circumstances and you kind of feel like you're an afterthought in this world and God has to accept you and God has to create a plan for you because, whoops, here you are. But the truth is you're not an accident, a disappointment or some kind of sloppy seconds to God. Even if your parents didn't know that you were coming, the moment you were conceived, God knew you and he began stitching your heart and your soul together creating you to be exactly the way he wanted you to be so that you could fulfill the purpose that he has written for you the truth is there are plans written over your life and a purpose you were created for that no one else in this world was designed to do don't get so distracted by what someone else has or what you may lack but begin to see with your own eyes what your king has revealed in you a stunning glimpse into his own heart that only you can reveal to this world. Just like as women, we reveal the heart of God in a very feminine way. You as an individual have a piece of God's heart that only you can reflect. And this world needs you to reflect the glory of God in only the way that you were designed to do. So the second thing that the enemy doesn't want you to know about who you are is you have a unique beauty to unveil. Now, I know this area of our lives is a tough one for most of us to fully grasp, but we have to if we are going to be a light in this incredibly hazy world. The idea of beauty has been misused, abused, and 
just hurt a lot of girls, but we have to find out what God says about this because this is one of the biggest areas that the enemy comes against us, especially as women. No matter what you see in the mirror, no matter how frizzy or underwhelming your hair seems to be, and no matter what your Instagram feed maybe measures up to, you have a unique beauty to unveil, meaning you won't find it while searching out what everyone else has. You know, it's really popular right now to use Instagram filters and what are they called? Like, um, ah, I can't remember what they're called, but basically what you, you edit all your photos to look like. And I'll admit, I have a certain way of editing my photos to where they all kind of have a similar aesthetic and there's nothing wrong with that. But too often we find a girl's Instagram feed and she's got, you know, hundreds and thousands of followers and we want to look just like her. So we buy her presets. That's the word. We buy her presets because we want to look just like her because that's our idea of beauty. That's our idea of being valuable. And the truth is not only do you have a beauty to unveil, but it's a unique beauty and you can't find out what God has placed on the inside of you by trying to look like somebody else. It's a ploy of the enemy to distract you and to keep you running after something that you're never going to attain all the while missing out on the very things God has placed on the inside of you. In the Song of Solomon 4.9 in the Passion Translation, it says, for you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome merely by a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. I love this translation in the Passion. It says, for you have stolen my heart. When it says that, it's the Hebrew word, Libabethany, I did not say that right, but what it means is it's taken from a somatic root that means to tear bark off of a tree. So he's saying here that your loving eyes of worship unto Jesus have uncovered his heart and laid it bare, making him vulnerable to you. Isn't that amazing? When you look to Jesus, when you worship him, when you turn your gaze upon him, it completely unravels him to where he is completely vulnerable to you. You may not feel like anyone else thinks you're beautiful or valuable or worth spending time with, but when you decide to put your gaze towards Jesus, he's right there waiting for you for just one glance of your eyes. And when you do, he is completely undone by you. God has placed inside of you the ability to ravish the vulnerable heart of your king. Not someday in heaven, but now, even when you feel incomplete and weak. You know, I remember when I was in Germany for a mission trip several years ago, we were in a place called Cologne and there's this gorgeous cathedral. I used to study art history and these gorgeous Gothic cathedrals were just my favorite things to study. And we actually got to go into this one in Cologne, Germany. And we walked in and when I looked up, I can't even express it to you. It's, it's not something that I can really put into words. But when I would look up in this cathedral, you looked up straight up to the ceiling and it was huge. I mean, hundreds, just so tall and so magnificent the way it was um, designed and the way that you felt so small when you were standing inside of it. It's such a surreal thing. You almost become overwhelmed by its greatness and by its beauty. 
And, you know, back in the day, this was the place of worship and still is today sometimes. And it makes me think of Solomon's temple in the Bible. I mean, think about the way it's described. It was the most expensive building ever built and probably that ever will be built. It was, you know, a million times more amazing than this cathedral I walked in. And that was where God decided to dwell among his people before Jesus came. But what's amazing is that even more grand than that cathedral in Cologne, Germany, and even more grand than Solomon's temple, which cost billions of dollars in today's money, God's dwelling place of choice isn't a gorgeous Gothic cathedral, but it's you. When you accepted Jesus into your heart, he decided to dwell in you because that is his dwelling of choice. And because of that, that should say something about what he thinks of the beauty of where he dwells in you. All right, the third thing the enemy doesn't want you to know about who you are is you have a vital role to play in his story on the earth. In Luke 138 in the New Living Translation, it says, Mary responded to the angel, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. Man, I don't think we realize what a miracle this was. Mary was probably 12 or 13 years old at the time. And the angel just told her that she was going to give birth to the Savior. This meant that, you know, she was engaged to Joseph. And the thing is, he didn't get her pregnant and he knew that. She was risking her engagement. She was risking her relationship with her family. She was risking exile. She was risking a lot of really dangerous things that I don't even think we understand today. And yet when God presented her with this task. Will you join me on this adventure? Her answer was yes, let it be done unto me. What an amazing act of faith that we can look to today. You may feel small, insignificant, and unimportant to the story that God is telling on this earth, but that's exactly what your enemy wants you to believe. You see, he doesn't attack what he is not threatened by, and there is something on your life and in your future That terrifies him. Going back to the book Girls with Swords with Lisa Bevere, she says, the attacks on your life have much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you have been in the past. Because when the enemy looks at you, he doesn't just see what you see in the mirror. When he looks at you, he sees the spirit of the living God on the inside of you, which means he sees your potential. He sees your power, your purpose, the grace that is on your life. And he knows the potential that is on you and what you could do for the kingdom of God. And it terrifies him. That's why he tries to attack you. That's why he tries to convince you there's nothing special about you. You know, it reminds me of... um the movie, The Princess Diaries. And when Mia finds out that she's a princess, this is how it goes. She says, me, a princess? And he goes, you are the legal heir. She said, I never led anyone before. He said, we will help you to be a princess, to rule. But if you refuse to accept the throne, then the kingdom will cease to exist as we know it. Man, I love it. That is what God is saying to you. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, look, you are a royal daughter. You have royalty. You are the heir, a joint heir with Christ on this earth. We, I can help you. The Holy Spirit is saying, I can help you learn how to be a princess, how to rule, how to reign in this life. But if you refuse to take your place in the story God is writing on, writing on the earth, 
then the kingdom will cease to exist as we know it. There are people that are depending on you. There is a purpose that is depending on you. And no matter how small and insignificant you feel, that does not exclude you from the powerful purpose that was written for you that you must take up and you must live. Because there are people who need you to rise above the embarrassment and to rise above the insecurity and take your place in his story. The fourth thing that the enemy doesn't want you to know about who you are is that you are sealed by true love. 1 John 4.10 in the message says, This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. You see, sometimes we think of forgiveness as, oh, God forgave me when I'm saved, but then every time I mess up, he's upset at me again and I have to ask for forgiveness again. And then he sometimes gets frustrated with me. And that's not what it is at all. Jesus died for your sins 2,000 years ago. You better hope that he forgave everything when he died because you didn't even exist yet. And we need to stop thinking that his forgiveness is conditional. Try to picture yourself In Hawaii, I really want to go to Hawaii. Try to picture yourself in Hawaii, in the jungle, where there's a big waterfall falling. Not too big, but just a big waterfall. And you go swimming up to it, and you stand there, and you stand directly underneath the waterfall. And that water is just hitting you, and 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 hitting you. You can't stop being wet, right? You can't just decide to stop being wet while you're standing underneath that waterfall. It's just constantly washing over you. And see, this is what God's love and forgiveness and grace is really like. When you become a Christian, you are now placed underneath this waterfall of grace and forgiveness and love. And every moment of your life, every second of your life is continually being washed and washed and washed and washed. And there's nothing you can do. The second you make a mistake, half a second later, it's completely washed away. Way. There is no more mud can't exist on you when you're standing under the waterfall. Even if mud gets slung on you, even if you pick some up and wipe it on your face, immediately the waterfall washes it away because it's a continual, constant flow. That is the love and the forgiveness and the grace that God has for you. One of the most sacred truths that the enemy wants you to never know is that there is absolutely nothing you could ever do to make God stop loving you. You know, I have a cat named Mocha and I love him so much. I love him to death. We got him um, literally right when we came back from our honeymoon. So he's been in our lives since Jeff and I were married about four and a half years now, I guess. And um, when we got him, he was three months old and he was just a little kitten and he was so scared. He was a rescue. And when we brought him home to our little apartment, the first thing he did when I let him out of his cage is run underneath our couch. And our couch was kind of up against a wall. So he would go to the very back of the couch against the wall in the middle to where we couldn't reach him. (laughs) And he would just stay there because he was so scared and he didn't know what to do. And I remember just sitting there you know, on the other end of the couch, looking under there and going, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, I just want to love you so much. Just please come here. You have no idea how much I just want to love you and hug you and hold you. And man, that taught me so much about God. Cause in that moment, God just kind of showed me that is how I feel about you. Too often when you make a mistake or you feel insecure or you feel full of fear, you want to hide and you want to, you want to make yourself safe and create this little couch around you and this little tower around you for your fear to make yourself feel safe. But if you would just come to me, you have no idea how much I want to love you. 
So here's a truth that you can hold on to. God is bigger than your past. You have to stop giving it power over you. There is nothing you could do to make God love you more, just like there is nothing you could do to make God love you less. Yes, there are still things that we can do that may change the way we view God, but God's view is never shifted or foggy. He chose you, and he'll never change his mind. All right, the fifth and final thing that I have in this episode that the enemy doesn't want you to know about who you are and what I feel is one of the biggest points here is you are crowned in royalty. One of my favorite authors of all time, C.S. Lewis, wrote, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Man, I love this so much because there are things on the inside of you, desires and things you see for your life that don't make sense in this world. They don't make sense in this culture. And it's because they were meant to point you to your eternal reality. We weren't made for this world. We're made for another world. And until we get there, we are ambassadors on this earth to combat the workings of darkness and reveal the true heart of our King. You see, just like in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah and those guys, the powerful people of faith who did mighty things, they consider themselves basically tourists on this earth, just here for a short time, but their true home was in heaven. You are equipped with power and authority. You have a purpose to fulfill on this earth, and you have been bestowed grace for the journey ahead. All the enemy can do is try and convince you that you have no purpose here, but as long as you realize that you have been given royalty, that royalty runs in your veins, then there is nothing he can do to convince you otherwise. In the movie Braveheart, the wonderful William Wallace says to the princess, one day you will be queen and you must open your eyes. That is what I feel like Jesus is trying to say to us as his daughters right now. One day you will be queen. One day you will reign with me. One day we will be together and you have to start opening up your eyes to the reality of what is going on around you. It says in John 8.32 that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you see, it's only the truth that you know that is going to produce freedom in your life. I encourage you to cling to these five truths as if they were jewels. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Post them across your mirror. Get these words down into your soul so deeply that when the enemy does come to deceive you, you won't be fooled. You'll be armed with truth, fighting your battles well. And just like the Reverend Mother said to Maria in The Sound of Music, you must live the life that you were born to live. And that is the call that is also before you. If you need to change the way that you see yourself in the mirror as a royal daughter of God, then I encourage you to click on the link and get a free download of a daughter's declaration that I have for you. You can print it out, post it on your mirror, keep it on your phone, read it over yourself. It's full of scripture about who you are as a royal daughter of God so that you can start declaring your true identity over yourself and watch it start to take place in your life. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe for future episodes as we dive deeper into each of these topics. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, remember that you are fearfully and royally made.